0: Hello, my Level Up family. I am so excited to be here with all of you today. I have got a really special treat for you guys. So we have had some incredible feedback. We had Dr. Tanda Cook and Dr. Katie Collier on a few episodes ago, and we were talking gut health. And you guys, we really realized that after 45 minutes, I mean, they could have told you this, but it just, it's just not enough to put in one episode. So they have so graciously agreed to come back and spend some time with all of us today. And today we're really going to be focusing a little bit more on hormones. And I'm pretty excited to talk about this because I am 52 years old and I was one of those people that actually used to make fun of people that talked about hormones, people who talked about menopause. I'm like, it's all a state of mind. It doesn't even exist until I was in it sleeping in a ski hat with the windows open and and sweating to death. So I'm really excited to dive more into this today. And then we're actually going to do another episode coming up and we're really going to be talking about gut health and how it ties into you know our our mental health, which is such a huge connection in today's world. You know, I didn't know that the gut was attached to everything. Like I used to think gut, I used to think stomach, I used to think whether my gut needed to be a little bit flatter, not really realizing it was such a second brain and how it was connected to so many things. So I'm really excited to share... Share these two incredible leaders with you guys and share some wonderful information. So, I know on our last episode, I gave you guys a really nice long bio of both of them. And if you didn't lead, listen to that episode, go back so you could hear their bio and you could hear that episode. But I'm going to give you guys the abbreviated version today. We have Dr. Tanda Cook and Dr. Katie Collier. They are both naturopathic physicians, health coaches, food experts, speakers, and just incredible, generous um, women that are very, very passionate about sharing their knowledge and their expertise with not only all of us, but really like the world. So I feel very, very grateful to have you both here. Um, And I'm really like, I feel like I'm running the show, but on this episode, I feel like you guys are really running the show. Um, In fact, I even said to them, what are some questions? I don't ask people what are some questions, but I'm like, I want them to kind of come up with questions that really would add so much value for you guys. So I'm really going to turn it over to you guys, but we're going to start with like, what is a hormone? Like, what is a hormone? How is it connected with gut health? And then we'll just roll from there.
1: Awesome. So uh, thank you, Debbie, again, for having us. Uh, A hormone is simply a chemical signal that and kind of an easier way of thinking about it is it's like a text message in the body. And the brain... Runs the show. It's really the master conductor. Another analogy that I'll use for people is uh, describing the endocrine system, which is your hormonal system, like a symphony and or an orchestra. And the brain is the conductor with the hypothalamus, the pituitary, the uh, pineal gland. You know, the brain really is the main driver. It's the conductor, and then the thyroid gland is like the violins. The adrenal glands are the oboes, the ovaries or the gonads are, you know, the flutes. And and the, when everything is in harmony and in symphony, it you feel great. The song sounds awesome. And, you know, between the brain and all the way down to the ovaries, a lot can kind of get lost in translation. It can get clogged up with toxicity, which we'll talk about here in a minute. And so it, just thinking of hormones, like a text message from the brain to the body.
0: Okay. And I know that was probably in your simplest terms. That was like, let me talk to people in the simplest terms. So yeah. And I, and I still have so much to learn. So, you know, one of the, the main questions that I'd really love to know is like, and I know we talked about like gut health, like what is the connection with hormones and gut health? Or is this just such a broad question? Cause it wasn't on your list, but I'm curious about it. So I threw it in there.
2: No, oh, that is a great question. So, I mean, it's, we can kind of like go back to the to the very beginning when we are in utero. What bec- ultimately like the same, so we go from one cell to obviously being a, a baby that is born, but there's a lot that happens from going from one cell to a complete organism. And so the same kind of glob of cells that initially starts an in embryo basically spreads apart. And that top part becomes your brain and the other part becomes your gut. So your brain and your gut are intricately connected from conception. And so it's just a, a high, super highway between your brain and your gut. They're constantly in communication bidirectionally. So your gut is talking to your brain. Your brain is talking to your gut. So that's kind of how if the brain is the master conductor, then we can imagine if it's always in communication with the gut, then our hormones are directly linked to, to our, the health of our gut. The other way that our gut health is massively important for hormonal health is that we don't want things that the body makes to hang out forever. We want to use them. We want to excrete them, metabolize them. And then we want to start again, make new, right? So when we think about gut health, like a lot of people, when we talk about hormones, think about, are we making them or are we not making them? Do we have enough of them or do we have too little of them? But that's only one piece of the puzzle when it comes to the endocrine system. We want to make sure that we're making them. We want to make sure that our brain is effectively communicating to the, to the tissue itself. So say that our brain is talking to our ovaries, that we're making enough estrogen, that we're making enough progesterone, that we're making enough testosterone. But then what happens with that estrogen, with that testosterone, and with that progesterone, once we've used it over the course of a month, if you're, if you're a woman, or over the course of a day or a month, if you're a man, then we actually have to take that hormone. So let's use estrogen as an example. Estrogen then has to be metabolized by the liver. So then what's happening with your liver health, which I'll kind of, you know, I'll I'll sort of lump that into gut health because it's so intricately connected, but what's happening with liver health and then what's happening with the gut, because we, the liver will basically take estrogen. It will change its form, like change its, its molecular form. Then it will bind to something that goes out either the bowel or the, or the kidneys through, through urine. So if your if your digestive tract isn't ha- isn't functioning optimally, a what can happen is that estrogen can kind of get uncoupled from that carrier molecule, and then what that happens is that estrogen is left in the bowel, and it can get reabsorbed and go back into circulation. So that's one way that our gut health makes a huge, imp- or a huge impact in our in our endocrine system. So we want to make sure that the gut is able to release. If we are excreting old metabolites of estrogen and progesterone and testosterone, we want to make sure that we're having a bowel movement every day and that that gut health is, is functioning optimally. Otherwise, we get backup. And then your body could be making enough estrogen. It could be making enough progesterone, but we could have what's called you know the kind of symptoms of estrogen dominance because there are uh, greater levels of estrogen in circulation because we're not actually excreting them through the gut. So that's one of the you know really profound ways when we talk about hormone health, it's almost like we have to start at the gut first because we want to make sure that we're able to move through and to be able to excrete those older particles. And then we can kind of like work our way back. Like if we think about making them, metabolizing them in the liver and then excreting them through the bowel, through the feces, it, we, that's kind of the, uh, the direction that it goes from a physiological standpoint, but from treating to like to rebalancing hormones, we actually want to start at the gut first and work our way backward.
1: Yeah, uh, kind of a fun analogy in what Katie just said is using a bathtub, and you know, we, you we have a you know cloth foot bathtub, and we're running the water in it, uh, which is you know just our circulation, and then if the drains or the you know s- sewage system. Uh, it is not draining properly. Then what happens to the bathtub? It gets totally backed up, and so that's exactly what's happening when we have congested congestion in the liver, congestion in the kidneys, which comes out as you know dehydration, or congestion in, in the bowel. Then you do end up with this recirculation of. Uh, hormones that then then can wreak havoc. And then we blame estrogen as being estrogen dominant. Well, is it really estrogen's fault? Is it the liver's fault? Is it the gut fault? Is it the excretion problem? I mean, is it, is it xenoestrogens, which comes from outside toxins, which we can again talk about? It's So you start to see, we were saying to a patient the other day, we as humans think so linearly and we want A plus B to equal C. Like I have estrogen imbalance because I don't poop regularly. So I feel like crap. And it's, we're, it's so much more complex than that. And, you know, I, we really encourage our patients and the people that we work with to, and in our teachings to think of the body in less and like, A linear line, or in one to two dimensions, but more in this like really multiple multiple dimensions, more like quantum physics, where we're everything is connected to everything, and so we can boil it down. And that's why you know studying nutrition is actually very challenging because nutrition affects so much. Nutrients affect so many things. Um, But again, what Katie is saying is like we can start with so many things. So so much health can start from the gut because it does actually affect every single system. Uh, and just to kind of add to that too, what mm-hmm. we can also see is our our reproductive system.
2: You know, particularly as women, men ha- are, have a little bit more of a buffer to this, but uh, women in particular, we're very um, susceptible to stress because our body, when it's in that like fight or flight, um, stressed out state, it it basically turns off. Like imagine there's mm-hmm. like a circuit circuit breaker of what happens when we get stressed. Like there's all these physiological things like either get turned on or turned off, reproduction and our reproduction hormones they take a back seat because we don't actually need them to survive. And so when survival is the name of the game, our body will will um, compensate appropriately to preserve energy. And those stressors can come in multiple forms. They can come from, you know, life stress stressors just, you know, living in 2024 or it could be you know there's a chronic stress or assault on your system that your body is allocating resources to fix. So gut inflammation even if there is you know maybe there's some chronic inflammation, maybe there's some leaky gut, maybe there's some chronic infections that are happening in the um at the level of the gut that actually may be stress enough for our body to say, you know what? I'm not going to really spend the resources and the energy to make reproductive hormones right now. I'm going to take care of this kind of I'm going to put the fire out and then we'll we'll kind of redirect uh, course and then focus on reproduction. But right now we're going to focus on, on gut health. So that's kind of another way that when there is just chronic underlying inflammation, that actually might be enough of a stress on the system to dampen the the reproduction, particularly reproduction uh, hormones.
0: You know, it's interesting because I'm learning so much more now. And this was, I have four children, four incredible children. My oldest is 26 um, Brooke's actually in business with me. My youngest are twins. They're 19. All four of my children are fertility children. And you know, I think back now, nobody talked about the gut. Nobody asked, like, we weren't talking about any stress I had in my life, which I had quite a bit of it, like a lot. I think back now, and it, it was really stressful. Nobody talked about what I was eating. I always considered myself, a self, but like Diet Coke, I was probably having two of them a day, which like I can't remember the last time. I had. It's just, it's incredible what we know today and how many issues maybe wouldn't have existed if we know more now. And so I feel like as a lot of people are listening to this, one of the questions they might have is like, I don't know what is normal what's not normal and how would you even know if you had an in you know a hormonal imbalance again like I think back to I as you're talking I think back of so many different things in my life and I was like I didn't know I probably had a hormonal imbalance but nobody talked about those things
1: um now and thank you for sharing that story cuz it, it we hear it a lot and actually one of the the two main reasons that women find Katie and I is uh weight loss desire and quote-unquote, hormonal, imba- hormonal imbalance. And it, it, hormonal imbalance is kind of like similar to me as like a phrase of like stress or inflammation. It's like we use these words, we don't really know what they mean, right? It's like you hear it on social media or you hear your friends say it, and you're like, oh, yeah, I, I feel like crap. I must have hormonal imbalance. Right, right. So, you know, it's it's then, you know, what Katie and I will walk you guys through is, you know, what does imbalance look like? And then what does a normal cycle When we're menstruating, what does a normal cycle look like? And then what happens in perimenopause? And Katie and I were just saying before we hopped on with you, it's like perimenopause is so sadly under-talked about and only now really being understood. Um, And there's some really cool doctors doing some really cool research out there and just to help women go through reverse puberty. I mean, if you think about coming into puberty – all of the work and effort that you can change your body went through. All of us remember that. And now you're, we're, un, we're undoing it. So we're going through reverse puberty. And, you know, I was listening to a podcast the other day. It was kind of cute because uh, the woman was talking about, you Know going through puberty and then you know, we're in this reproductive state, state. And if you choose to have children, you know, you like spend all this energy having kids and having the babies, and then you're re- rewarded with perimenopause and, pe- and and menopause, which is like you dry vagina and hot flashes and insomnia and sh- frozen shoulder and itchy ears and weight gain and insulin <laughs> resistance.
0: It's like, who designed this? This is horrible. And then men, um, the men so, they don't have to you know, carry, they don't get, pregnant. I know, yes. I'm just saying, it's just not fair. It's not. It really <laughs> is wrong. not. I mean, absolutely. Whoever designed wrong.
1: this system really needs their head examined. Right. <laughs> so, um, So, yeah. So I'll talk about kind of some of the imbalances and what symptoms may look like and then Katie can walk you guys through kind of what the normal, what, <clears throat> what, what we should be experiencing. And then we'll walk you through um, menopause and, or perimenopause and menopause and then some really beautiful ways to support your body. But in general, women should be thinking an, uh, about perimenopause and menopause in their 30s if you have if you're listening to this podcast and you're in your 30s congratulations that is when you can really be taking care of your body composition your blood sugar your activity level your self-care uh, your sleep patterning your stress management I mean because that will set you up in your 40s 50s and 60s to go through menopause and perimenopause really actually healthily and not suffer so much. Um, You know, and I'm going to turn 44 next month. So I'm like, I'm taking this really seriously. I mean, this is, I'm, you know, currently still menstruating, but it's creeping up on me. So, so what are some symptoms of quote unquote hormonal imbalance? We can get things like PMS, right? Which is breast tenderness, irritability, mood changes that correlate with your cycle, irregular periods, painful periods, cramping pain, um, and people think you know the really want to know you know what it, what to do about cramping and um, and what helps it and it's so many things in terms of diet, gut health will help with that, like caffeine intake, alcohol intake, all really impact. Uh, people with really severe cramping. Um, acne is one, uh, having issues conceiving, mood problems that last all month, fatigue. Uh, I mean, we could keep going and going. I mean, there's so many symptoms, weight gain, thinning of the hair. Thinning you know, of not, the,
0: to, not to interrupt you, you talked about cramping. I'm just going to interrupt for a second. So I was one of those yeah. people, I mean, too much information for my listeners, but I don't have a uterus today. <laughs> I had it was totally disease ridden. And I was one of those people that had cramps my whole life, like, like cramps so bad, like didn't go to school cramps, cramps that would like start a week before it actually came. And so m- what I, what I did, the only way I survived was I literally took Advil every eight hours. I set my alarm in the middle of the night. And even if I talked myself out of, I don't need it, then what happened? Cause it was like muscle Contracting, like then it got to the point that Advil wouldn't even help it because the pain was so bad. And so I'm only bringing that up to interrupt because maybe other, like, what should I have done in this instance? Because some of the times I felt like calling nine one one. I'm not gonna lie.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's funny that you say you know, funny, haha. It's it's interesting that you say um, cramping and like muscle contractions because the cramping that you're experiencing during your your going through, during your period is the same muscle contraction that we go through when you have when you go into uh labor. So it's the same mechanism. It's just at a way, way less level. Um, but and it's your uterus is right near your gut. So again, it's like making sure that our gut is actually in balance will help so much. And to make sure that you're you know, like Katie was saying, about detoxing your hormones properly. And so we will um in the end of this give you guys some some really fun tips and tricks about how to help that. And one of them in particular, and we'll give you the details in the end, but is uh, seed cycling. So you rotate uh, certain seeds throughout the month to help push estrogen pathways and help push progesterone pathways to help you get into balance. And it's the closest thing to sorcery that
0: I've seen (laughs)
1: since going to medical school. Uh,
0: Since our last episode, I've been having bone broth and sauerkraut every day. Oh my god, I love it. Good job.
1: I'm very so coachable. You are
0: so coachable. I'm very coachable. Every day. That's amazing. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. I'll do the
1: seeds. That's so great. Well, the seed seed cycling definitely get you, you and your kiddo, uh, your daughters on. So um, so anyway, so imbalance really looks like all of those things that I just listed plus, you know, the weight gain, the, and then it goes as far as, you know, insulin resistance, blood sugar dysregulation, sleep dysregulation, hot flashes. Uh, and so that when women come to us and saying, I think my hormones are out of whack, we say you better, yes, you better believe they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and because hormones in terms of what your thyroid is doing, your adrenals are doing, and your uh, ovaries are doing, they're in communication with each other all day. Every day, they do not take a break. This is a 24-7, 365 days a year job for them to keep you, uh, uh, that symphony going. And we do a lot of things as Westerners to disrupt that symphony. And But before we jump into what what those are, I'll let Uh, just have Katie tell you like, what, what is it supposed to look like? What is it supposed to look like, feel like, sound like, taste like that's normal? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think it's even like to jump
2: into what a healthy cycle would look like. I think it's, you know, so many women don't even necessarily know what's happening during their cycle. A lot of like the cursory understanding is I'm either on my period or I'm not, I'm either bleeding or I'm not. And yet there's so much happening in between actually menstruating or not. So, we have what's called this infradian rhythm. So, we've most of us have heard of the circadian rhythm, which is our sleep wake cycle. The infradian rhythm is unique to women, and that is our 28, you know, roughly 28 day cycle of of menstruation. What happens during those 28 days? So, basically, we have a 28 day cycle, and we can almost kind of like, you know, for ease's sake, we can split it right down the middle at, at day 14. So we've got the first half of our cycle. Day one of your cycle is the first day that you actually begin to bleed. So day one of your cycle until day 14, you know, we're we're leading up into ovulation. Ovulation occurs at, at, for ease sake, again, let's call it day 14. So that first half of your cycle is basically run by estrogen. She's the one running the show for the first half of the cycle. And then ovulation occurs. We get this, you know, kind of surge in hormone, surge in testosterone, and then we ovulate. And then post-ovulation, we lean on progesterone. She's running the show for that latter half of, of your cycle. So in between ovulation and then bleeding again. Now, estrogen and progesterone, they have very different personalities and anyone that has had hormonal imbalance or you know has been on hormone replacement therapy or oral contraception has that has had their their hormones manipulated we know that they they make a big difference you know who's running the show and who's in charge feels really different so running on like kind of swimming in estrogen versus swimming in progesterone feels really different over the course of our month unfortunately we're just not really taught that as women we think it's kind of like you know, I feel the same. I should feel the same. I should be eating the same. I should be moving the same. I should be, you know, sleeping the same every day of my cycle. And then, you know, I either get my period or I don't. But what happens is when estrogen is running the show, estrogen, she's like, I like to use the analogy of imagine that estrogen, testosterone, and progesterone are at a party. Estrogen, she's like the type A personality. She's a go-getter. She's high energy. She's like out there meeting and greeting and shaking hands and kissing babies. Like she's just like, the life of the party, she planned the party, she made sure everyone was coming. Testosterone's kind of steady Eddie, you know, it's like he's just kind of in the corner hanging out, playing video games. And then we've got progesterone who is estrogen's sister, but she's the opposite of estrogen. She's the introvert, she's calm, she's cool, she's collected, she's relaxed. She'd rather be at home, you know, cuddled up with a, a blanket and a cup of tea and, you know, just save the save the extrovertedness for her sister. Okay. So we've got estrogen in the first half of your cycle, then we've got progesterone in the second half of your cycle, and they require really different things. And so a lot of women feel like, you know, they're moving through the course of their cycle. And, you know, maybe you go to the, to the, to the gym and you just don't have as much strength. or you just don't have as good a, of a workout, or you actually find that you're like getting closer to your, your period and you're hungrier and you've got these, all these cravings and like, you want more food. That's by design actually, because what's happening physiologically is different based on whether estrogen is running the show or progesterone is running the show. Now I've heard PMS actually be called progesterone missing syndrome because most of us are, you know, I chronically see in my practice that people are deficient in progesterone. They're not making enough progesterone. We actually have to ovulate in order to make progesterone. So because progesterone is so imagine we're back at that party okay and cortisol walks through the door now cortisol we're going to kind of define him as like the the like nasty ex boyfriend okay estrogen looks at cortisol cortisol again for you know those listening it's our our primary uh, stress hormone so cortisol comes to the party and estrogen's like ugh i don't really want to hang out with him but i can it's fine Progesterone sees cortisol coming through the through the door, and she's out. She's like, "I am not. I don't want to be here." She will bounce. Progesterone just will not hang out with cortisol. So then it comes to you know we live in a predominantly stressed out society. We you know we're pretty hard on our bodies, whether that's through the food that we're eating, the thoughts that we're thinking, the way that we're moving or not moving. Our bodies are pretty stressed out. And in that stressful time, estrogen will still come to the party. Like she's, she can still hang out. She doesn't love it, but she can still hang out. But then we get into ovulation and the post-ovulation, and progesterone's nowhere to be seen. And so most women, you know, we run their labs, and progesterone is low. And then they're seeing, you know, all of these kind of like estrogen dominance. I feel like that's kind of um, circling the internet right now. It's not necessarily that you're estrogen dominant it's just that you don't have any progesterone to balance out that estrogen so you're feeling like these these symptoms of high levels of estrogen when then you run your labs and actually your estrogen looks okay but your progesterone is pretty low so progesterone you know that's where it becomes really critical in taking care of you know our stress response how we're eating how we're moving how we're living our life particularly in that second half of our cycle so that we can welcome progesterone we can like bring her back online she can do her thing and progesterone, she's like the calm, cool, relaxed one. We actually want pro- progesterone to come around. When she's not there, we're not cool, cool. we're not calm, we're not relaxed. So, you know, when we when we take care of progesterone, then we actually start to see a healthy, normal cycle. We start to, you know, ovulate when we should. We start to menstruate when we should. We see cramping decrease. We see breast tenderness decrease. We see acne decrease. We see a lot of that irritability. Again, she's pretty relaxing. So a lot of the the classic symptoms that we can consider as PMS actually might just be that your progesterone is not being
1: taken care of. The other thing to just coattail of that is another thing that can happen is because we are because of our, the environmental toxins that we're exposed to, uh, they're called xenoestrogens. And if you want to Google that, uh, it's X E it starts with an X. I'm not gonna spell the whole thing, but it's xenoestrogens and they're found in plastics. They're found in, um, like PFOS. They're found in, um, uh, our fragrances, all of these, uh, endocrine disruptors that we're exposed to through cleaning products, makeup products, food, um, preservatives, Flame retardants, uh, furniture, paint—all so our environmental toxins will trigger these xenoestrogens. So it's these molecules, you know, pesticides, herbicides, fungicides that look enough like estrogen in the body that it will start triggering those estrogen dominant be, uh, symptoms. And so then a woman goes in, gets her labs tested, and but lo and behold, her estrogen's normal. But she's still displaying breast tenderness, irritability, bloating, you know, painful periods, and so then you know she's told that she's nuts because you know it's it her actual hormones are fine um, because we can't actually test because the they the xenoestrogens look just enough not like estrogen that it won't show up on a test if that makes sense. So these xenoestrogens will push the estrogen pathway, but not show up on a lab test. But this woman's displaying high estrogen dominance, but her estrogen's fine. So it, it becomes very confusing. So then what Katie and I do is then we start coaching people about where's, where's the toxicity in your life? Like how much plastic are you using? Are you, you know, Keurig cups, which, you know, people drinking coffee and they, they blast heat through, you know, they have a coffee maker and they blast heat through those little plastic cups and then drink out of a plastic cup or drink water out of a plastic cup or plastic water bottles and that is all endocrine disrupting c- compounds and so it, what it's it that's what i'm talking about it's like thinking about your body thinking about your health is this very complex quantum thing that actually when it is set up with the right information to heal that's all it wants to do. Like our bodies are set up to heal. When, when we put, when we create the circumstance and we start swishing those longevity switches on and take and really reduce that level of inflammation and inflammation, like Katie was saying, is coming from diet. It's coming from dehydration. It's coming from sleep disruption. It's coming from blood sugar dysregulation. It's coming from what's going on in between our ears. It's coming up from how much environmental toxins are you exposed to? I mean, glyphosate, which is a, I don't know, I'm kind of going on a tangent, but glyphosate, which is a you know very well-known, it's Roundup. It's a pesticide, herbicide, fungicide, and it is sprayed very, very liberally on our crops. And then we eat it and it eats holes in your gut wall. It's called leaky gut. It destroys the microbiome. It is very endocrine disrupting. And so you know it's it's not about putting us in bubbles. It's about you know how then do we really support those organs of elimination? How do we support the lungs? how do we support the gut? How do we support the liver? How do we support the kidneys and how do we support the skin such that we can really sort of turn down that toxic fire hose that we've been drinking out of that is absolutely affecting your hormones? I mean, I guarantee everyone,
0: listening to this has some sort of hormonal dysregulation well, I'm, I'm actually deeply because upset. that's just, I'm deeply upset about this whole kerrig thing right now, because when I have coffee, I have a freaking carrot. <laughs> no, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm a- after you said the word kerrig, I don't even know what you said. Cause I'm scarred. I am. I'm, 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 <laughs> oh, your face. No, I, I don't have a poker you, face. You, got very sad. you didn't just meet me. I'm like, you have no, got to be kidding me. No. Okay. So we have other questions, but you should know besides that, because that's actually a really big thing. Now I got, I'm going to go, like, I don't have coffee all the time, but when I do, I have a carrot, and now I'm basically killing myself. Okay. I'm dying over here. Every time I dig, I'm- <laughs> so what are the other, Debbie, things- you're never going to invite oh, us back again. Yeah. No, no, I have a lot to learn. So now I got, a, I got a sauerkraut. I got my bone broth I'm yeah. gonna throw <laughs> out the window. What are some other, cause I want to ask you the next question, but what are just like, so, cause you can go on and like basic everyday things that the average person like me, and I don't even consider myself an average person. I really actually consider myself more knowledgeable than the average person because of my business, because of my company, because of people like you. And I'm like, I'm a jackass. I've been having coffee out of a carrig. So Nothing. What are some other not things <laughs> you,
1: just you just didn't know? What you didn't know? <laughs> yeah. Now I know.
0: Now I gotta, I gotta. As soon as we get off, I gotta go shopping because Amazon can't come by tomorrow morning.
1: <laughs> just text me. I'll send you the link. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
2: So I would just say, first thing first, is you know, making sure that we test like tests don't guess when it comes to your hormones. If you can find a functional, you know, medicine doctor or a naturopath that can do some of these more functional labs to see what's happening at the level of your hormones, that will kind of help guide a treatment plan. But general things that everybody can start doing is eating whole foods. You know, really minimizing those ultra-processed foods. Uh, to take care of your gut health and to remove, you know, like to support your, your microbiome and your detox pathways and your liver and to take that burden so that we actually can start to eliminate these, these hormonal byproducts. So, you know, the other thing is is stress management. I mean, we said it, especially when it comes to your hormonal system, it's, you know, women in particular, we're really susceptible to stress, particularly in that second half of your cycle. Stress is Stress management techniques, so whether that's deep breathing, whether that's meditation, whether that's talking to a friend or going to therapy or just honoring the fact that your body's not going to be as resilient to stress. And stress, like I, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, is when our bodies perceive a threat, we will prioritize survival. We will not prioritize reproduction or our reproductive organs because, again, we don't need them for survival. So stress management is critical in Making sure that we have a healthy endocrine system. Um, Exercising, moving your body. Um, You know, women are kind of, um, we can be guilty of doing these really high intensity. Uh, like interval training or cycling or, you know, running or these like really kind of uh, cardiovascularly intense exercise throughout the entire duration of our cycle. What we're now knowing is that estrogen can handle that. She can handle that early morning hit class. She can do the cycling. She can get her heart rate up. She can do that really intense exercise. Progesterone doesn't really love that because that kind of exercise can actually raise cortisol. So it's a little bit too stressful on the body. So I I recommend strength training weightlifting you can do every single day throughout your cycle you don't have to necessarily um, manipulate your your workout program and it doesn't mean that you can't do those hit workouts it doesn't mean that you can't do them ever it's just kind of front loading them into the first half of your cycle between you know day 1 of menstruation and to ovulation that's when your body's going to get the most benefit from those kinds of workouts and then you know our how we take care of our liver health as well you know doing castor oil packs uh you know taking uh, milk thistle is is really good for liver health. Doing any kind of bitter greens. So it, when you're making a salad at night, adding some kind of like dandelion leaf or sorrel or you know any of those greens that are gonna be a little bit more bitter, our liver loves that. So taking care of our digestion, taking care of our liver to make sure that it has all the resources that it needs to break down these hormone metabolites and then to be able to excrete them. And drinking enough water. So we recommend drinking half your body weight in ounces Per day. Because again, one of the other big pathways that we release these old, you know, um, hormonal metabolites is through our kidneys and through our urine. And so we need to make sure that we're drinking enough water to help our our kidneys filter that. And lastly, um, you know, I don't know if you have anything to add, but those environmental toxins that Tanda was just saying, it's like really cleaning up your environment. How much plastic are you using? Are you storing your food in glass containers? Or are you storing them in plastic? Are you, you know, fragrance is another big one that our bodies are really, really susceptible to, particularly women with the, again, those xenoestrogens. You know, so, you know, your cosmetics and scented candles and Glade plugins and, you know, how much fragrance essential oils are fine. But if it's, it can be, uh, you know, when it says fragrance on the back of a shampoo bottle, that could be up to 30,000 different chemicals that because it's a pri- proprietary blend, the company doesn't have to disclose. So starting to pay attention of, you know, the things that we're coming in contact with within our environment and how they're impacting our our endocrine system. So, I mean, I would say that those are kind of my top tips in moving toward um toward balance with your endocrine system and then seed cycling.
1: So, in terms of testing, uh, there's something called the Dutch test, and if you can go, to, it's like DutchAnalytics.com, and you can contact them. You can find practitioners that are doing that test, and it's a take-home kit. You spit in some tubes and you urinate on some cards. And you can see where those metabolites are going. You can see what your adrenals are doing. It's a very comprehensive test. Uh, And you can see also not only uh, how you're you're, uh, metabolizing estrogen, but, but in terms of the pathways, are you metabolizing more in that damaging... DNA pathway. Are you, you know, how is, what is your circadian rhythm look like? How, where are your, what are your adrenals doing? It's really awesome. So that's the Dutch test and it's Dutch analytics. Um, you can go on their website, you can find practitioners. And again, now with telemedicine, it's just so easy for people to really test. I'm just really hitting home. What Katie's saying is like, test, don't guess, because if you're experiencing, if you're an, a woman in America, you have imbalance. Like it's, just, it sort of is that generic. And so finding out exactly what, so then you can get tailored uh, supplements, you can get tailored lifestyle, you can get tailored movement, you can get, you know, all of these other biohacks that you can really start to step in and help your body uh, heal on its own because it can. Um, So that's the testing in terms of stress management. Again, stress is one of those words that I feel like we throw around. It's like inflammation or hormones. Do we actually really understand what's happening? So many times, Debbie, we'll ask our patients, How, what is your stress level like? And they say, oh, well, I'm not a brain surgeon, so I'm not stressed out. It's We specifically, I think, as women downplay the amount of stress that we're actually under. And I'm for, 44 almost. I'm a 44-year-old bucket of stuff. You're a 53-year-old bucket of stuff. 52. It's like all of that counts. And like 50 <laughs> Sorry, sorry, 52. <laughs> You're, You're <rock> a 29-year-old <laughs> <laughs> bucket of stuff.
0: I've got a yeah. bucket of stuff. I wear a, so, you I know, wear a so, lot of hats. I wear a lot of hats.
1: Yes. And and so what, are this, what counts as stress? Blood sugar dysregulation. 93% of Americans have dysregulated blood sugar. That is a stress on the body. You may or may not feel it. People who say they have sugar cravings most likely have a blood sugar dysregulation. Most people who wake up in the middle of the night craving sugar, wanting to eat, or having a hot flash that's not related to menopause probably have blood sugar cravings or blood sugar issues. So, you know, getting hangry, having to eat every two hours, having to eat every hour that you have a blood sugar dysregulation. So that is a huge stress on the body. Sleep dysregulation is a huge stress on the body. Do you snore? Do you mouth breathe? Do you, you know, do you feel rested when you wake up? What time are you going to bed? How are you sleeping in the dark? How much light pollution are you getting? That is a huge stress on the body. So it's again, like people don't think of these things. Then how much environmental toxins are you exposed to, right? How many Keurig cups are you drinking a day? (laughs) So. And that is a, yes, that is a huge stress on the body because those plastics are, they disrupt the gut microbiome. They mess with our hormones. It is very stressful for the body to to, to then try and sort out what these microplastics are doing in our system. That's a stress on the body. But you Susie Q are rolling around, going to the grocery store, not understanding how much stress your body is actually under. So that's what Katie is saying is like, understanding that we are drinking out of a stress fire hose. But the cool part is, is there's lots to do. If you Google vagus nerve exercises, you will find like 28 things that you can do on a daily basis to stimulate that vagus nerve, which is that parasympathetic rest, digest, heal, restore, regenerate detox pathways, which is singing, humming, dancing, Deep breathing, uh, meditating, getting out in nature, grounding, drinking water, like being in in water, I call it nature binging, like just go out and be in nature, being quiet uh, will help stimulate that vagus nerve. So so those are some other things. And then in terms of food, specifically around food, eating fermented foods, we talked about that last time around, but fermented foods and aiming to get 30 different plant foods a week. So 30 different plant foods a week, teas count, spices and herbs count. So Katie and I have actually started to challenge our patients to get 30 in a day. And when you can add in spices and teas and, uh, you know, the company that you and I both love has that tea, I think there's what, eight, seven or nine herbs in there.
0: I drink that that minimum once a day. No, wait, if I drink it twice, does it count twice? Just counts once, eight because it wouldn't be. No,
1: just once. (laughs) once. (laughs) (laughs) You know the way I roll, so I'll have six of them
0: a day if they counted more. Okay. (laughs) Right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I love you.
1: Um, and then doing things like Katie said, castor oil packs and dry skin brushing and saunas are a huge, mm-hmm. huge way to support the body's detoxification system. And then again, going back to food, eating things like cro- broccoli, mm-hmm. broccoli microgreens, broccoli sprouts, cruciferous vegetables, like those the liver and the and detoxing hormones the liver loves. like the liver needs broccoli. To do its job very very well, so the more dark greens you can get in your body, the better. Um, And again, that will go towards your thirty different plant foods in in a week. And yeah, and then the I just it's not sexy to talk about, but sleep we've got. I think sleep sleep is very sexy, and
0: I love sleep. I love it. (laughs) It's the sex. It's the sexiest part of my day. I love it.
1: (laughs) We should hang out more (laughs) though. Um, so really cleaning up somebody's sleep hygiene. So, kind of the big take homes there sleeping in total darkness, no cell phones, iPhones, iPads, night lights, LED lights, TV lights, screen lights. And if you are going to do that, getting those red blocker glasses. Um, there's a company called I'll text it to you, I can't remember, it's a dark night or something, and they make. Um, those the blue light blocking glasses that you can, that it's like blocks like 99% of, of that blue light. And why do we care? Blue light represents the sun and our body doesn't want sunlight at nine o'clock at night because that's when melatonin is starting to come out and put us to sleep. But if we are looking at a blue light, which is equivalent to sunlight, then it stimulates cortisol, which is our stress wake hormone. And it really disrupts that that hormonal patterning. So that's why we care. So think blue light, think sunlight. If you're looking at a screen, it's the equivalent of looking at the sun. So, and what that does is it will disrupt the pineal gland and, and really disrupt that melatonin uh, production. The other thing to do when you wake up, I want you to start thinking about sleep. And what I mean by that is when you wake up, get outside and look, get sunlight on your face because that will help, burn off that melatonin and help melatonin production set you up to win for that night. So getting outside in the morning, getting morning sunlight, grounding, uh, sleeping in the dark. Uh, You can do things like uh, a a bath or a shower before bed to raise your body temperature. And then if you add lavender or Epsom salts into that, because Epsom salt is magnesium sulfate, which you absorb through the skin, it can really help your body relax. Magnesium is one of the greatest... Minerals on the whole wide world. That's it is my favorite supplement next to vitamin D. D is in dog. So getting on good magnesium supplements, getting on a vitamin D supplement is in uh, dog. Getting on a good B complex is in boy. Ideally, they're methylated because many of us have that MTHFR gene that we don't methylate, which is another word a way to say detoxing. Um, and then getting omega threes and antioxidants and vitamin C and vitamin E. And, you know, so there's sort of like those basics, but, uh, taking care of your sleep and then going to bed at the same time and waking up at the same time, as much as you can keep that routine, even on the weekends or even on the days that you're working. So having good routine around sleep, the more hours before midnight, the better. So you can get into those, those deep sleep cycles and then, um, doing castor oil packs at night, like we said, for the liver health. Uh, There's a really good friend of mine. Her name's Dr. Marisol. She's a naturopath. She has a company called Queen of the Thrones. You can find her on Instagram, and she makes the best castor oil packs we've seen. I need them. Um, And that's just the simple act.
0: Uh, You know, the only time I took castor oil in my life, again, this is going to be TMI also, was to put myself into labor with (laughs) my son. So my my and I... My doctor told, he was due on Christmas day. And of course, all you want is a healthy child. But I was like, I do not want to be in the hospital on Mm -hmm. Christmas day in an ideal world. And if you know me at all, I am type A, I'm estrogen, (laughs) like I'm the estrogen (laughs) at the party. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm not going to be in the hospital. So she said, drink four ounces of orange juice and four tablespoons of castor oil and mix it up. And if your body's ready, it'll put you into labor. And an hour later, oh, I was in labor. I walked, yeah, I walked up to delivery oh you know, yep. nine centimeters. And I'd say that castor oil still scarred me, but if it could come in packs and it's good for <laughs> me, then I'll do it. You'll give me your friend's information.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So very rarely, other than when you want to stimulate labor or potentially you have a very bad case of constipation, but we do not recommend to take it internally, um, unless for like extreme specific cases. So this is just topical. You just apply it onto the skin and it applies. It's like, it's like a miracle oil. It really is the most like anti-inflammatory. It stimulates, you know, antioxidant production of glutathione. It helps the liver detox. It's, it, it is insanely. Okay. Cool I'm going to me do it. I mean, I could keep going it. all
0: day, but we've been, oh, yes, we've absolutely. been talking 50 minutes. I'm going to hold my, the rest of my questions. Um, maybe I'll just ask you one okay. kind of question. <laughs> one, just one. And, and because, yeah. yeah. You know, we first of all, i want I want you to tell everybody where they can find you again, but you know one of the biggest things that I talk about all the time is mindset, mindset, mindset. Hormones affects mindset. So so often people like they can't get themselves into it just like the gut is the second brain, if your hormones are off, your mindset's just not gonna be good. It's just not. And then it disrupts everything. So I don't know if you want to touch on that for a minute. We'll let everybody know where they can find you, and then they'll know you'll be back really soon.
2: Well, the cool part is is that what impacts your mindset impacts your hormones, and you can kind of get into that vicious cycle of if you have poor mindset and you have you know high negative self self talk or you have you know like that that causes a lot of stress on the system too. It's not inert when we talk negatively to ourselves, right? We we initiate a lot of physiological pathways that then shut down our reproductive our reproduction really. And so, you know, what takes care of the body takes care of the mind. So all of the things that we just said, it's like, that's going to help you kind of get over the hump of it. And then as your hormones start to balance, you won't be as impacted by those, you know, variations in mood, irritability, you know, negative self-talk, but it's like that kind of negative self-talk will impact your hormones. And then if your hormones are off, it'll impact your mood. So it's, it's this kind of vicious cycle. But the cool part is, If you take care of your body in all the ways that we just outlined, if you're eating real food, if you're moving your body, if you're sleeping eight to nine hours a night, if you're drinking enough water, if you're, you know, you feel connected socially and you're playing and you're, you know, doing something kind of mission driven in your life and you feel purpose. All of those things take care of your body, which then take care of your mind so that your mind can take care of your body. It's all connected. And so it's not necessarily that we have to focus on one thing or the other. It's just that as we move the entire system toward health, everything will move toward health.
1: Yeah. And I'm going to, again, just pipe in, uh, just and testing, like really seeing if you do feel like your, your mindset is off and if you don't feel like yourself, then- Please test because the thyroid is also one that when when the thyroid is not functioning optimally, uh, your it can very very drastically affect your mood. And the thyroid is one of the most sensitive glands in the body. It's very very sensitive to environmental toxins and heavy metals, which we are exposed to. So taking care of your thyroid is key, and 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 will very much affect your mood more towards the depressive state. And then. Uh, chronic dysregulation of of cortisol typically will result in chronic anxiety. So it's guilt going back to
0: testing too. It's all connected. I mean, you know how passionate I am about mindset. And so I I want you guys, I'm so grateful that you guys came on. First of all, I'm throwing my carrots in the garbage. You're going to send me the stuff about the castor oil. <laughs> and if you guys, you know, um, Tanda mentioned a tea and she mentioned a company that we both love. So that's where if you want to contact me, like, We have a program or I have a program with the company I'm aligned with that you, if you, if you're not familiar with it, you need to become familiar with it. That's how Tanda and I became connected because she is so passionate about these products as well. And you can contact me at Debbie underscore Neil on Instagram and I'd be happy to send you information, but I would love for you to let everybody know where they can find you and they could learn more about you. If they possibly wanted to do testing, if they possibly wanted to do hormonal, like all of the things. Where can they find you?
1: No, it's uh, thank you. So I'm on Instagram. My handle is uh, Dr. Tanda Cook. It's just D R T A N D A C O O K. And there's. Lots of free education on my page. That is what I am super, super passionate about. Katie and I often say it breaks our heart that we had to go spend lots of six figures on our brain to understand how the body works. You deserve that too. And so my page is really dedicated to a lot of education. Um and then my website is drtandacook.com. Yeah. And you can find me at Dr. Katie Collier,
2: C-O-L-L-I-E-R on Instagram. Um, But we also run a weekly group. So if this is kind of your jam and you want to hear more about, you know, hear us kind of geek out about health, we run a weekly women's group on Wednesdays at 12 Eastern called the Soapbox Docs. It's basically like a live format uh, podcast. And it's this really just badass community of women um, that are looking to change their life, change their health and, you know, take care of their families in a different way. So if you want to find us there, you can uh, sign up for that through Tanda's website at drtandacook.com.
0: Well, I can't thank you both enough. You're educating me every single week. And I'm sure the le- the listeners learn so much from you both. And I look forward to having you both on again because we're going to dive deeper and we're going to talk about the gut and we're going to talk about um, mental, you know, attached to the mental side of it. And there's yes. just, there's so much of that going on in today's world. And I feel like we need that episode <laughs> more than any other episode Um, that may exist. So thank you both so much. Have an incredible day. I'm super grateful and everybody have an incredible week. Love you friends.